Good morning. So good to be with you guys today. Uh, God is so absolutely amazing. And um, it's been a long time since I feel like I had the opportunity to stand here and bring a message, so I'm excited about that. I feel like every time I do this, and there's a period of time before, between the time I last uh, ministered in the Word here and the time I minister again, I feel like I'm starting fresh again. That's good and bad. It makes me nervous. I'm like, wait a second. I've done this before. But uh, it, it's good because it doesn't get old, you know? And God is so amazing. I feel like he's got an awesome word today. But it's an honor to be here. I won't be talking about India other, to, other than to say that um, I feel like God's taken me to a whole new level. I, I feel like God did so much in my life during that time um, I'm just, a, in many ways, a different person as it relates to the ministry that I'm called to, the ministry that I see ahead. Um, I, I did do a, an interview with David. David Wright had this idea about doing an interview on Facebook that you could check out that talks extensively about the trip, if you want to find out details and what happened and, and things like that. And I'm sure over time, God will... Um, sort of remind me to share some stories that, that took place, but that's a really good starting point if you have interest in hearing uh, what happened. I had been on many, many missions trips, but this one just rocked my world, and uh, in a good way. So I'm excited about that. I, I want to just welcome the, the uh, live stream audience. It's always awesome to have you join us, and we always do look forward, if, if at all possible, for you to be here physically with us. Um, there's a dynamic here that you can't experience online. Uh, but I do know that some, are, some people are limited, and they just that's, that's all they can get right now. But we are a family here. And I want to say emphatically, you know, if, if no one told you uh, that you are loved today or even this week, I want to tell you very clearly, you are loved. You're loved by me. You're loved by the family. And you matter. You matter so much. And so it's good to see you. It's good to be um, here um, Amanda mentioned the, the Faith Chapel app. We'll have notes for the message in there. And we're recontinuing a series for, that we started on Easter called The Invisible War. And this is a series that is, is largely focused on the stuff that goes on in our head. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of wrestling going on with, with our thought life. There's a lot of things happening that we maybe don't see, people don't see, but it's a struggle. So I'm calling my message today, The Struggle is Real, all right? The Struggle is Real. So we're starting this series up after um, pausing it last week for our guest speaker and guest worship leader. I hope, if you were here, I hope you had a blast last week. It was amazing, um, great time. But uh, we're going to move forward with this, uh, with this series. And I want to start off in... The book of Proverbs, there's a, there's a powerful verse there, and it's, I'm using the New American Standard for this particular verse. Normally, we always use the NIV, uh, New, New International Version, but I like the way this is worded, and it fits uh, the, the context of, of what I want to talk to you about today. So Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man or a person, a man or a woman thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, you, 
you, you begin to look at that and you say, think in your heart. Well, the author is talking about um, the soul, soulish realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Paul in the New Testament talked about this or ta- used this kind of language when he was talking about in, in Romans 10. He said something like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So, so there's this reference to a believing, a thinking that relates to our heart because, you know, a person is changed when they not only think, but they also receive it into their hearts. That's, that's sort of like the 18-inch difference of, you know, knowing something about Jesus, knowing something about the Word of God, but believing it, like believing it, it's for you. Believing it, it applies to your life. Believing it, that it's, it's, it's possible to change you. There's a big difference. We can walk around quoting scripture all the time, but until it becomes real in our heart by faith, we're not necessarily changed. You understand what I'm saying? So going back to this verse, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and when the thoughts that you think get down so deep inside of you that they're real to you, that changes who you become, good and bad, Right? Good and bad. And so uh, we, we see this verse, and I just want to glean a couple thoughts out of this verse. The first one is this. You, you have power over your thoughts. You have power to determine what you think about. You, you have the ability to say, I'm going to think about that or I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think this way and I'm not going to think this way. We, we have the ability to control our thoughts. <clears throat> and I want, to talk, I, I want to talk more about that as we move forward because this is very important. The invisible war is real for us. And we are positioned to win that invisible war. Some of us have been losing that invisible war for a long time. And I want to, I want to help you begin to... Step into the realm of victory in that area because that's God's will for our lives. So the, the Bible says in that verse, it's as a man thinks. Not as, not, it doesn't say as his neighbor thinks. Sometimes we are so shaped and formed by the people around us. We are convinced if that person believes that about me, that's, real, that's true, that's real. I remember uh, when I had... When I was much younger, I'd switch schools from uh, a school nearby here to a city school, and my family moved to the north side. And on the north side, I started going to um, Grant Middle School. And at, in Grant Middle School, there was this guy that thought like it was his job, his life assignment to bully me. And and so um, I already had some personal issues at that point in time, and I, I had some insecurities and some doubts about myself, and that's really a time frame that many people do, many young people do have struggles in that area. Well, he was helping me with that. And so, uh, you know, he would, his, his bullying of me 
sort of just isolated me. It made me even feel more singled out, more insecure about myself. Uh, you know, it, it was public, so I was getting embarrassed by, by these things. And it just caused me to begin to feel, well, if he thinks that way about me, and I feel that way about myself, this must be my reality. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, as your neighbor thinks about you, so are you. It says, as you think about yourself, so are you. Does this make sense? Okay, so, so we, we have the ability um, to, to determine what thoughts we have. And in reality, you need to know this. Your po- the, the thoughts that run through your mind, you are powerful. You are a lot more powerful than you think. And when you begin to grab hold of that, those thoughts... You, you, you begin to determine what thoughts you receive and what thoughts you reject. It, it becomes very powerful because you can propel yourself into something that you're called to be that you're not actually being right now. Does this understand? Does this make sense? You understand this? Uh, by the way, I heard someone's volume on their phone because they shared the message on Facebook. And I want to encourage you to do that. Thank you. That happens to me every time I share the message. But... It's good. We want to share the, mess, the live stream message if you've liked Faith Chapel um, on Facebook because it just, uh, it just uses technology to multiply the impact even throughout the world because people have access to the messages that we're sharing. All right? So take a minute and do that. If, you're, if your phone goes off and volume's on, we'll forgive you this time. All right? All right. So, so we, have, we have power over our, our thoughts and the thoughts about ourselves, they carry more power than the thoughts that others have toward us. And I want to show you an example in the scripture. Uh, do you remember when Jesus, if, if you've read the gospels or, or been around and heard some of the gospel stories, there was a time that Jesus was, he, he had stepped into his ministry and what God was calling him to do and accomplish Jesus was now doing the ministry. He was at least 30 years old at this time. And as he's doing the ministry, there was, came a period of time where he went back to his hometown. And in his hometown, there was, he was teaching in the synagogues, the churches of that day. And in his teaching, people were astonished at the revelation that he was sharing and the miracles that they had heard take, been taking place in his life, but then all of a sudden, something turned, something changed, and they began to see him differently. They said, wait a second, isn't this like Mary and Joseph's son? Isn't this the guy that, you know, built my, built my kitchen table and chairs? He's the carpenter guy, you know, uh, you know, my kids ran, ran the streets with him. This is, this is that guy, right? And, And the Bible says, eventually, they became offended at him. They, they were offended at Jesus because all of a sudden now they're thinking, well, who does this guy think he is, right? Who, who does he think he is? And, and the Bible says that uh, he, he, Jesus, Jesus says it's a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown. And it says that he could do very little miracles there. Now, if Jesus was impacted by their words, it would have changed the trajectory of his entire ministry. Wait a second, who am I? I'm really just a carpenter's son, 
right? I, I, I mean, who, who am I? I I'm just, I'm just an, an everyday, normal kind of guy. But see, those words did not impact him. It was, it was the power of his own thoughts to understand that God had put his hand on him. He had sent him to accomplish a purpose. He had equipped him to be powerful. And the same thing applies to every person in this room. Listen, we could be shaped by the thoughts that we hear about ourselves, or we could begin to think the powerful thoughts that God speaks about us. In Matthew chapter 16, we see a, a similar situation. Matthew 16, starting in verse 15. And as we pick this up, there's a couple verses prior that Jesus begins to ask his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who, who do you think I really am? And, and some say, well, we think, some say they're, you're Jeremiah or Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. And then in verse 15, we pick this up. It says, this is Matthew 16, verse 15. It says, but what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. I want you to see something very powerful here. Jesus always pointed to the words of his father to determine who he really was. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father, because I've heard my father say this to me. My father's told me this. My father told me what my mission is. I know what my mission is. I know what I'm here to accomplish, and I'm doing it. No, I'm not Elijah and John the Baptist and, and Jeremiah or the prophets. Those are great people, but that's not who I am. That's not my mission. I'm here to accomplish the mission my father gave me. You see, he wasn't shaped by the opinion of others. He, he kept his focus on the words that his father spoke about him. And that's really powerful. Now, I want to get to the main, uh, the main passage that I'll share in our next few minutes together. And that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is a passage traditionally known as a passage about, uh, about spiritual warfare, uh, about your thought life and how you're called to deal with that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he was having a lot of trouble with them. They were being misled by, by false teachers, and they were beginning to question his authority, his authenticity, and all this. So he's, he's in the process of defending himself um, but he's recognizing, even in his writing, that, wait a second, this is warfare. There's, there's something bigger than just your opinion and your opinion about me. This is the enemy at work in the big scheme of things. And so I, I want to I just get right out there that, you know, when we deal with the thoughts that go through our minds, some, uh, some surveys or some... some um, some information out there says that you could have up to 60,000 thoughts per day. And largely, a lot of them are negative, and they're our own negative thoughts. But then, you know, there's, there's God speaking to us, and there's the enemy speaking to us. And it's important to be able to discern and understand who's speaking. Many of those thoughts are repetitive. They keep coming and coming and coming, good, bad, or indifferent. 
And so Paul is addressing the, the, the spiritual element of these thoughts, okay? The spiritual side of, of the thoughts that go through our mind. And he says this in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I'm going to keep revisiting this, these three verses. So I'm going to come back to this in a second. But I want to just say about that first statement, there's, there's something we should notice. It says, we do not wage war. Do you see that, that uh, whether you like it or not, you're in a war? We, we need to understand that because we could go about life just thinking everything's good, everything's fine, everything's dandy. But he's saying that, there, that there's something, there's an invisible realm out there. There's an invisible enemy out there. And he's really opposed to you. He doesn't want good for you. And the war is on. The war is real. It, it's a, it's, it, we can't pretend that something's not there and think everything's okay. But when our eyes begin to be opened to the reality of who we are and what God has called us to, we are really positioned to win this war. Right? We, we don't have to be a victim in this war. Ignoring it will ultimately lead you to be a victim. Now, if you think about, uh, you know, the landscape of our, our central New York area, and if there was a literal war, like in troops invading, bombs going off, bullets flying, uh, all this craziness, bombs dropping from planes, you, you would be really cautious about how you proceeded, where you went, what you did, with the, time that you did, the times that you did it in, how you protected your family. You, the, the awareness would be really high for you, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a literal war going on, and, and there's casualties, and there's danger around us. And Paul is saying, listen, the same applies in the spirit realm. You just don't see it. He says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. And today, you know, when, when you think about war, you think about taking ground from the enemy. You think about repossessing things that were once yours or possessing things that should be yours or you desire to be yours. Areas, key, key places, strongholds, uh, places that, that um, will give you an advantage over the enemy. And so today, my hope and goal is that you will begin to take ground from the enemy in these areas of your mind. About these thoughts that have been plaguing you. Thoughts of anxiety, depression, harmful thoughts toward you. You know, thoughts of doubt. Thoughts of doubt related to your value, your significance. Thoughts about your future. Even my wife was addressing thoughts related to sickness and disease, you know. The, the enemy can just get in and begin to wreak havoc. But, but there is an answer to this. You see, we don't have to just sit around and, you know, kick back on the sofa and let all this stuff happen without a response. See, we, we have the ability to, do, to make a response. And Paul's saying, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Uh, back to that first part of the phrase. He's saying, almost everything I do is in this world. I mean, you know, I dress myself, I shower, I eat, I study, I go to work, I go to school. 
the time I spent, it's, it's, in the wor- it's in the natural realm. Everything we do is in the natural realm. But this warfare he's talking about is not in the natural realm. It's in a totally different realm. And so he wants us uh, to, be, to be aware of that. Um, I, I think about, when we think about Paul, I just want to give you a small bit of insight related to my study that was pretty cool. A, a lot of scholars believe, and even historians wrote, that Paul was a small man, small in stature. And so, you know, physically he was not an imposing, if these historians are right. I have no way of saying that, but I'm just telling you what I've, what I've read through study. If these historians are right, he's not, he was not an imposing man. You know, so when you talk about fighting and warfare, this guy would be like, come on, are you really, you know, if you, if you saw this guy coming at you, you're like, come on, really? You know, give me a break. And, but, but Paul also, in the natural, not imposing, also dealt with a lot of physical, um, physically, he, he suffered a lot for the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about shipwrecks and beatings and abandonments and, you know, being left for dead after being stoned and all this physical stuff. And and you think, okay, this guy is not really uh, an imposing type of figure figure physically. But, But in the book of Acts, there's something really powerful. The book of Acts, there was these these seven sons of Sceva, and they were... They were, you know, playing around with demons. They're trying to cast demons out. Well, they came across this one man that was demon-possessed. And the Bible says he jumped on them and began to beat them down. I mean, they, they left bloody and naked and running. But in that whole process, he says, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? See, Paul was known in the spirit realm. In, in the physical realm, he wasn't an imposing figure. But, but in the spirit realm, this guy came. And, I mean, demons knew his name. This, this is pretty cool, right? So, so this, guy, this guy carried himself as a powerful figure in the spirit realm. So when he writes, we don't war as the world does, or we don't, we don't wage war as the world does, we should listen to him. Because, I mean, he was known. He was a known guy, okay? So, so we need to understand that, uh, that we're in a war. First point. Second, second thought is this. The war is over our thoughts. Now, I want to continue in that 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 4. The war is over our thoughts, our thought life. It says this. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Meaning, okay, we're not using guns and bazookas and swords and knives and things of that nature. When, when we fight in the spirit realm, it's not phys- we're not dealing with physical weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought to make it obedient. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so there's a lot there, which I'm just going to touch upon today. And as this series unfolds, we'll, we'll cover more. But, but I want you to know the war is over our thoughts. That's why he's saying that, 
at the baseline, if we, if we take our thoughts captive, meaning, okay, this thought just came to me. Go shoot that guy over there. Wait a second. Why would I go shoot that guy over there? Right? That, that's not from God, and that's not who I am. I'm not going to go harm somebody because I have some crazy thought in my mind. I mean, I'm just trying to use an extreme example. But thoughts, in reality, many times start off way more subtle than that. Way more subtle than that. I mean, we come out of our childhood many times with uh, different levels of brokenness and wounds in our life, lives, you know, insecurities, uh, feelings of rejection, things like that. Even if we grow up in a healthy home, there's times that we could come out of our childhood uh, with things that need to be dealt with. And I came out of my childhood with things that need to be dealt with. I brought them into my marriage, you know. And one of them was like insecurity, rejection stuff. And I remember, you know, times that talking to my wife like, you know, I don't feel like you love me. Now, if you know my wife, she's probably one of the most loving people on the face of the planet, literally. So I, this was like these thoughts, these, these thoughts kept coming to me for whatever reason, you know, because maybe I expected something that did, didn't happen or whatever. Now, let me just be very clear. What I'm saying to you is no reflection of my wife's love. She's an amazing woman. It, this is like, this is about my thought life. This is about me. It was about the stuff that's going on in here. And, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe you really don't love me. And, you know, after a while, after dealing with my own issues, I, I mustered up uh, enough um, boldness to tell her that. But I thought it for many, many months before I told her that, you know, because we just sit on our thoughts and we let them stew and we believe them and and they keep coming. See, the enemy has a way to, to, to get in and play with the areas that we are insecure, are broken in. The areas that we have fear in. He, he knows people. He's been studying people for many years, right? And so he, he tries to weasel his way in there and, and uh, exploit an area of weakness. And then when we start to believe, we see it comes as thoughts. And many times we, you know, it's just one of those thoughts. It's a thought, it's a thought, it's a thought. I'm okay, I'm okay. I could, I could do this thing. I'm okay. The thought comes. Then something happens and the thought comes again. And you're like, wait a second. This, this may be the reality. This, this may be, as much as I don't like it, this may be my reality. This may be who I am. And as the thoughts come... It, becomes to, it begins to form something that is, is larger than just the thought in our mind. It, it begins to shape this area of belief within us. It goes from here to here. We begin to accept these thoughts. It begins to establish itself, um, even to the point, and there's, there's different layers here, but even to the point potentially of, of what the Bible in that verse calls a stronghold. A stronghold is, is something that is, it's almost like it came from, in the Old Testament it was used, uh, carried the idea or the connotation of, of a fortress. And, and back then when they wanted to prevent 
enemy attacks. There were thick walls, high walls that were built up that would, that would prevent the enemy from coming in. In the New Testament, it took a different form or meaning that began to shape into the idea of a prison. Again, a protective area, but your, uh, the concept was instead of preventing people from getting in, it's, it's more like keeping people captive so they can't get out. And this happens in your entire belief system. You become captive to something. And no matter what, it's, it's like it's now who you are. It begins to shape an identity of who you are. Because, you know, the thoughts come, 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 come. And then they're believed. And they're accepted. They're reinforced by additional thoughts. And, and what you hear from the outside, these, these things keep coming and pounding away, pounding away until we just succumb to it and say, yes, apparently that is the reality. That's, that's, that's who I am. Um, and I don't know about you, but listen, in our, in our homes, we wouldn't want, like, if there was an unwelcome guest that came to your home, you'd find a way to get them out, wouldn't you? Right? But when we talk about unwelcome guests in our minds, Somehow we, we spread the red carpet for these thoughts. We, we don't choose to drive them out. It's almost like you're, you're welcome. Hey, come make yourself at home. What's mine is yours. You know, just have your way. Do your thing. Just, just, just do what you got to do there. And for whatever reason, we're, we become very passive about these lies. Let me just say, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. And so many of these thoughts, almost all of these thoughts, are, are formulated uh, from the foundation of a lie. That we, he just, he, he tries to, you know, through constant pounding, get us to believe and accept. Until it forms something in us that is very powerful and shapes who we become. It shapes not only our thought life, but our actions as well. It puts a lid on, uh, you know, on the destiny that God has for us. It, it keeps us from stepping into um, the, the reality of who God has called us to be. And again, maybe for you, these thoughts started when you were a child. And, you know, again, a thought, maybe it was something your parents said or someone significant in your life said to you. It just starts there. And then for whatever reason, things, things happen until you begin to believe it and and you hear that over and over and over again as a lie until it becomes who you really are. And we're going to take ground from the enemy. We're not going to allow this stuff to continue. Because God has called us to be free. It says, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He doesn't, he doesn't want us captive or imprisoned. He don't, doesn't want us believing something about ourselves that he doesn't believe about us. Right? He, he wants us to be free. And very quickly, I just want to close with a, a verse or two. Um, there's much more that will continue through this series. But I want to close with a verse or two so that you don't leave like in a point of saying, okay, well, I rec- he, he pointed out that I've got problems and now he closed the sermon. I, I want to give you help, okay? Okay. I, I want to I help you move forward. So um, here, here's the last point, and we will... We will uh, 
break this down a lot more in the future, but listen, we have access to victory over our thoughts. We're, we're going to talk about the weapon. What are those weapons of our warfare? What, what do they look like? How do we use them? What, is, what happens? But let me just tell you that uh, we have access we have access to victory over our thoughts. Two very quick verses. The first one, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. The second part of it says this, but you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. This really could be an entire sermon, and it may be next week. You have the mind of Christ. When you were born again, God, God implanted his DNA, his ability to think the way he thinks into you. There's something powerful about that. And not only do you have the mind of Christ, but you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So now, if we're, if we're seated, if our spirit, our spirit man is seated with Christ, and I'm thinking the way Christ thinks, I could look down on this little piddly mess of thoughts that are running through my physical body and say, wait a second, that's, that's not God. That's, that's not God's best, right? I, I mean, he's positioned us in a place of authority and victory. He's, he's positioned us in a place to think the way he thinks. And, and we have to take some steps to do that. It's not, just, it's not automatic, but, but we can have God thoughts constantly you know we, we can train ourselves to think the way god thinks because he's already he's already put it in our dna and who we are he's he's made us like jesus it says that we're his we're his younger brothers and sisters right i mean he's transformed us we are not the same people we used to be but sometimes we view ourselves we look at a mirror and we view ourselves the same we're not the same and the enemy wants to convince you that you're really no different than you used to be. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Uh, another, another verse I'll share with you. Mm, there's a couple more, but um, let's just go for Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Here's just one way. One way that we begin to deal with our thought life. This is what, what Paul says to the Philippians. This is after he says, you know, be anxious for nothing. If you struggle with anxiety, check out Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8. But I'm only going to share with you 8, right? Or, yeah, Philippians, I'm going to share with you Philippians 4, 8. But there is a way to not be anxious. There's a way to not be drowned in anxious thoughts. There's a, there's a way to walk in victory over anxiety. But here Paul says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see that? Think about the things that are worth thinking about. And, and switch your thinking away from the things that are not adding value to your life. That are destructive to you. Destructive about you. That are tearing you down. 
Choose to fix your mind on those things. This is what Paul's saying. We can control the thoughts that go through our mind. And we could reject or take captive, Paul says, the thoughts that we should not entertain any longer. We're taking ground. I'm telling you, man, he's, the enemy has had a heyday, but his day is over. His day is over. Would you stand to your feet? I, I know that there's probably people in this room today as I close, and I'm going to close in just a moment. That your thought life, I mean, if, if you were to be truthful, your thought life may not even, in your mind, may not even be able to be any worse than it is right now. And I'm not talking about dirty thoughts. I'm not talking about that. Although God can give you victory over any thoughts, okay? And there's no condemnation. He wants everyone, he wants everyone who is captive to be free. But you may be here today and you're thinking, I am totally ruled by these thoughts that race through my mind. I want to encourage you to come up and receive prayer. We'll be here. We'll have the ministry team here that would love to pray for you and believe with you. But we're going we're gonna to draw a line in the sand. We're going to begin to move in a direction that leads us to victory. And Paul writes in other portions of his scripture, I don't want you to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. His scheme is to get you to believe something that is not true. Right? And so we're going to choose to focus on the things that are true. And like Paul said, lovely and of good reputation. And, and, and things that, that are good, that are going to build us up and bring life to our situation. Also, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I've been talking from the angle of we are born again followers of Jesus Christ. But if you're here and you're not today, I would love to have a personal conversation with you. Would you, would you be bold enough to just come talk to me after I dismiss uh, this service? Maybe you have questions or doubts or concerns or fears. I would love to just have a conversation with you. You wouldn't be singled out or pointed out. But God loves you so much. He's made a way for you uh, to be in right relationship with him, free of guilt, condemnation, fear, shame. I mean, Jesus came to wipe away every sin. He loves you so much. But today, listen to me, today, I want to challenge every one of you, whether you come for prayer or not, and we could have the ministry team come up. I want to challenge every one of you to decide in your heart, I'm going to begin to think about what I'm thinking about. My, my mind is not a freeway for the enemy to, to run his race on. I, I'm not going to let those thoughts continue to plague me, control me, rule me. I, I challenge you to, in your heart of hearts right now, just make that choice. I am going, I'm choosing to think differently. I'm choosing to stand up for what's going on here because I'm not going to give the enemy any more ground. Oh, the war is on and we're going to go after what belongs to us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, today we, we want to just honor you. We thank you, God, that, Lord, that you have made a way for us to walk in victory in this area. We don't have to be victims. We don't have to walk in defeat, doubt, anxiety, depression. We, 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 want, we want to walk in and, and receive all 
that you've made available to us. We want to not only know about it, but we want to believe it in our hearts, heart of hearts, Lord. We, we want this to be real in our lives, God. Not just a concept, not just an idea, but a reality for us, God. So, Lord, I, I thank you that your ultimate desire is freedom. Your ultimate desire is to, to bring people who were captive and make them free. And, Father, uh, Lord, we just come against every lie of the enemy right now. I pray that you would counteract those lies with truth. We thank you for your amazing word. We thank you, God, that you are speaking to us, that you're not silent. You are speaking to us about the reality of who we are. And I give you praise for it. I bless your people today, God. I pray that you move, Lord. I pray that today is a day, Father, of of new dimensions of freedom in every life, God. And I thank you, God, that you're doing what you want to do. We just, we, we, just, we just trust you in that, God. That there's needs in this room, but you are moving. Whether it be in our thought life or any other area, you are moving. We declare that. And so, Father, Lord, each and every day, remind us, God, that we are taking a stand against what the enemy tried to steal from us in our thought life. We give you praise right now. We bless you. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. I want to just say a couple things as I'm closing here. Um, you're, you're dismissed. We have coffee in the atrium. You're welcome to enjoy fellowship out there. Um, but if you're here to receive ministry, um, I want to just invite you to come. And I want us all to honor those who are here to receive ministry, okay? So as you're leaving, if you could do so quietly, that would be a great way to honor those who are here to receive ministry. God bless you guys. We love you.